you guys listened to episode 82. It was on Crazy Is As Crazy Does, The Life of the Serial Killer by John H. Mudgett. So this is a book that we're actually going to be doing in one of our book clubs. So if you guys are intrigued by notorious serial killers such as Ted Bunny and the Zodiac Killer, then this is the horror book for you. Plus, not only that, guys, we're giving away some free copies as well. So if you are interested in a book that blends fiction and history and does it in a way that you have to stop and think as to which parts are true, check out this book. Yes. So that is Crazy Is As Crazy Does by John H. Mudgett. So you know how it's coming to be fall time and it's always fun to listen to a little extra spooky, scary story? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, with Indie Drop-In Scary Time, you can find all of the best spooky episodes of Spooky Co- Podcasts. Just today, I was listening to Haunted Amusement Parks by Ooh. Guide to the Unknown, and they were talking about like all of the different deaths and creepy things that have gone on at different amusement parks. Oh, hey, actually, that sounds really interesting. I, uh, I think I'm going to have to check that one out. You all should check it out. Anytime you need something spooky in your life, check out Scary Time by Indie Drop-In. That's my best friend, Brie. Hi. Hey there. How you doing? Oh, I'm pretty good. How are you? Oh, hanging in there. That's for sure. Another day in paradise. <laughs> As we used to say in California. I was going to say for a second, wait, don't you live in Utah? I'm not sure Utah is what I define as paradise. No, not all. Hey, paradise is what is what you make of it. You know, As, you know paradise can be right here at home. That's, a, that's what paradise is to me. All right. Well, that's, that's fair enough. That's a good way to look at it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So how's everybody doing? We're good. Yeah. I don't want to start work. I have to start work Wednesday. Well, <laughs> I don't want to, I just want to do this podcast 24 seven, have a story to tell, but first I want to know um, a little bit more about you and Maureen and, uh, what was she like? And what was your guys' relationship like? So I met Maureen in, um, in, in Oakland, California. She was, uh, she was like a relationship coach. Right. And I had, um, I had got turned on to her and, uh, because I was like, I seemed to just like attract one toxic relationship after another. And I was like, Do something oh, that sounds like me, huh, Brie? <laughs> it does sound like you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, for me and Maureen, it was, it really was like, it was love at first sight. And we really never let, and never left each other's side from there. And um, she, you know, I, I was having a lot of, a lot of issues with my son and uh, his mom. They lived in Utah. And basically Maureen was like, I will help you uh, get your life in order. I will move back to Salt Lake with you. I want to do it as your wife. I was wow. Like, 
Yeah. Yeah. She was incredible. And she, she was, and is the only uh, woman that I have been with currently that was a real team player. I mean, she was a spaz and she like, you know, she loved to fight like that. She told the, the council that she fought the sport that, you know, I was like, dude, but she was dedicated um, to the partnership. And, um, and that was the first time that I knew that I could a hundred percent trust somebody so deeply. Um, yeah, I could, I could count on her. She got things done done you know she would do would, i would drive her crazy because i procrastinate you know and like she was not a procrastinator it was really good for me because she you know that she, she'd be up at six in the morning vacuuming and so even though it was like kind of a nag it really um it really helped develop me as a as a person because she wasn't afraid to ride my ass um and so that that was the, the, as far as like the, the qualities about her was uh first off was she was she was absolutely beautiful i mean the yeah, girl, she, was. she was like a walking piece of art she had she had gone to burning man i think nine years in a row oh wow yeah and hardcore too yeah i don't know how my cut she's more hardcore than me she's told me there's like there's one year she literally like she just hopped her eye with someone she like slept in a trunk oh my gosh <laughs> not even lying i'm like i don't even i could i went to burning man for a week and i was like i'm ready to leave but yeah so you know burning man's all about self-expression really truly being the dynamic you without any no holds barred and she brought all that into our relationship like her, her style like in the house was so attractive like i mean she taught me style she taught me that like, i i dress the way i dress now because of her she taught me to to be able to think outside my box when it came to style and expression of myself and who i was and like our house was so cool. I mean, <laughs> she knew, and then she could do it on a budget too. You know, she was always at the dollar store. You know, and and I mean, our house was just like it was like a like a mini rave in that house. It was just so full of color and art and cool stuff everywhere, and um, and it was just a joy to 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 live with her. She was very people personable she like she's just like me we're both social butterflies we both happen to like you know be involved in the same music groups like i was just you know my music group was in san francisco primarily in salt lake and hers was in denver and san francisco so we actually had a lot of the a lot of the same friends it was really interesting how it meshed together when we moved to salt lake because she was really upset at moving to Salt Lake when it all kind of hit at home because she didn't have any friends here. And I'm just like, gig is like electronic music. That is one thing that I have like the best access in the city to, you know? And so when I introduced her to all my friends um, in the electronic music, see, I know everybody, you know, like I was here at the birth of this thing, you know? And like, and so um, she just immediately clicked. She made friends with, everybody that I knew so every time 
you know, like she wanted to go out to the bars, really to clubs, you know, and she wanted to dress up. She was at burlesque night. She was at, you know, like all these different functions. She's always very active in the community and she made friends extremely fast with all my friends. And I was like a dream come true. Um, she's dedicated to my son. That was something that, uh, tried very hard to be, um, a really great stepmother. Uh, no, I, I definitely, I could see that in some of her pictures that she posted. I mean, she obviously thought of your son as her own <laughs> and treated him yeah. as so. And the family did too. Her family welcomed us awesome. with open arms, you know, like, and they were very, very generous people. Uh, they were very big on gift giving and uh, like her mom and her were very close um her, her she was very close with all of her family which was cool you know another thing I really admired about she had a lot of girlfriends you know and that to me says it just says a lot a lot of you know and so you know she had a lot of a lot of friends from junior high and high school which to me was very very attractive um it shows that she keeps her relationships you know god I it took us two and a half years to I had like nine companies. I had four different houses, three different states. Like my farm in California was just, I mean, it took us months and months and months to like clean. It was, you know, because you have all this land. It's just so easy to be like, oh, I'll just put it over here for a little while. Then you forget about it for years go on, you know? And like, so I had to get that place put together. We had to wrap a place up in Denver. We had to go, uh, we had our little apartment I was renting here in Stall Lake to wrap up. Then we had my renters in the house we owned that we were going to move into. And then I had multiple businesses that just needed to be unraveled. Ones that I just had no more interest in. And then I had, you know, uh, things I did have. It was just so we had, I had business in Nevada, California, Oregon, I, you know, and multiple different areas. We had to wrap all that up. And we moved to Salt Lake and um, it felt like this huge breath of fresh air. We got all brand new furniture, like, cause I would have been happy living in that house for the rest of my life. That was it. I'd have been fine with it. And so was she. We had everything that we, then we decided that Maureen was going to go to school. And so, you know, I, I was like, okay, like, you know, you go to school and I'll, I'll handle all the bills and you can focus on school. And she did just that. Like, I will, I admire the hell out of her. She, she had almost straight A's um, and she was focused on that damn school, man. And, and it was crazy before that me and her were constantly arguing and it was a lot, we argued a lot about my son's mother because she was causing us tons of trouble. I mean, she's just a troublemaker. Like we got to this point where I was so fed up with the fighting that I was like, I want a divorce, like straight up. I like, I remember I was in California and I was around <clears throat> some really important people and she wanted to talk about something that was really like, it, it really just was not important. Like not, not nearly as important as the, the people that I was, you know, about to go to a meeting with. And she just screamed and profanities at me and like <laughs> like my business guys are just like uh like why if i'm all uh so after that i just came i was like you know what i'm done i cannot fight anymore and um it just really sucks but i've had enough and then like five or six days later she had come back and it was just like look 
found this marriage counselor. She came highly recommended. Would you be willing to go to counseling with me before we divorce and see if this works, see if we can't figure this out? And I said, well, you know what? You know, I didn't get married to get divorced. And this is a, this is it. This, this is to say, hey, like we tried it all and we just weren't meant to. And I told her, I was like, hey, I'll give this 90 days. I will give it my all and truly commit. Cause both of us had done a lot of counseling um, individually and both of us knew the benefit that counseling can give when when you really take it serious and you really bring it into your life and really like utilize it it's incredible what it can be yeah no i uh, i completely agree i mean yeah. i've done counseling on my own me and my husband go once in a while too my son goes like it's definitely something that everyone can benefit from i'm talking to you brie your family oh i never said i couldn't <laughs> benefit from but i just said i'm not going to do it <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, neither is your wife, so. Yeah, it's like the thing is, is counselors, like a lot of counselors, they really spoil the mood. It's like, first off, they make think that, oh, because you go to counseling, you must, something must be wrong with you. Well, part that's partially right. There's something wrong with all of us. Yeah, um, we're all fucked up. We're all messed up, man. And, uh, and that's okay. That's all right. And I think every single person on this planet needs a counselor just to go vent to man somebody that's not your friend that's not gonna you know that's non-biased it's not gonna yeah. they're not gonna take your side just because but it's somebody that you know you can trust with confidence that you're gonna be able to tell your deepest darkest to and they're gonna help you yeah like i and that's why i agreed i said hey you know what i'll, I'll give it 90 days um, if it's, if it's the same or worse, then, then we're going to know. And I was like, if it's even a little bit better, then we'll give it another 90 days and see, you know, and, and she's like, that's all I could ever ask for. And so we went and, 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 uh, you know, that first month we went twice a week for that first month. It was rocky. And I would tell that to anybody that's about to go to marriage or couples counseling that just expect the first like month to be rocky because like you got to bring up all the old stuff that you're like, well, I just accepted that it was okay. Like, no dude, it's been, and it's not okay. Like it needs to be discussed and then, and then close. So when people fight years down the road, they get upset because the shoe got like left out that you know this that's because none of the old the, the issues from the past have been truly resolved and forgiven and let go and so you kind of got to go through that rocky point which is like about a month but then after that you get to ground zero and you can start working on day-to-day -day things and communication and what the true issue of things are and you know like that counselor we had she's a miracle and um i never thought there'd be something because you know marine is just so fiery man so fiery but <laughs> finster but she got marine to realize that she had an anger issue and once it clicked she immediately signed up for an anger management classes immediately awesome and, and yeah and so she was going we were doing the marriage counseling we were doing individual counseling with the same marriage counselor. And then she was going to, to anger management. A year and a half later, we were never fought, ever, like ever. And if there was anything that got heated, like we just knew what to do. It was simple. We knew that like, okay, we're getting to this point. This topic is important. Let's make a, let's make an appointment with the counselor. We're going to shelf it till then. And we had done it enough times to know that every single time we brought it to the counselor in that way, it would always be resolved and everybody would walk away with a smile. Yeah. I, I mean, my, my counselors even told me before, like, you know what, just put a pin in it and just, you know, let it go for now. 
and then we'll talk about it. I like, cause now I've, I've done so much study on like relationships and I'm doing a lot of work in boundaries and stuff like that. And like, one of the things I, I recommend everybody before they decide to commit to anyone to have they do, and then their partner needs to write out their list of boundaries of definitely boundaries and non you know, compromisable, meaning they got a little wiggle room and then non-compromisable, like, nope, you do this, the relationship's done. It's over. Boom. And one of my boundaries is going to be like, straight up, I want to get a relationship counselor from the very beginning when like everything is good. Then you like, you know, and you got to go once a month, you know, like maybe there's something that you want to say to your partner. You just, you don't know how to bring it up or blah, blah, blah. But then when you get in front of the counselor, you're in the safe space of like we got the mediation, then you could bring it up and then you guys could just work it out. And then you start with this level of support and you know that support's there instead of like letting things go to a catastrophic level. I say start when everything's good. That's a, that's definitely a good advice here. You know, you said that things were starting to go great again. And, um, oh, and yeah. you, that night that everything happened too, you were out celebrating. Yeah. I was like, we have felt for about a month, we have felt like really this calm over the storm where like we knew what to do when there was a heated conversation between the two of us. Maureen had graduated school. She was working at the salon and she was developing a business. So she had purpose in life, which was major, major, you know, she was, she didn't have time to fight anymore. You know what we thought when it came to the Alex's mom, you know, like to, to her situation, it seemed like things had started to calm down, but we also knew that everything, you know, when things started to calm down, that, that seemed like, you know, the calm before the storm, but things that we had started to get to a point where we knew how to handle intense, crazy situations from Alex's mom, because she would, you would, you know, there's one thing after another. It's just like, oh my God, like she's like terrorizing our life. And we had, you know, had worked it out once again to the counselor on how to deal with her terrorizing our life because she would purposely go out of her way to make our lives a living hell because she hated the fact that Maureen was living, and, and she never will admit this, but I know that's why. She hated the fact that she was not living the life that Maureen was. She hated that. And that's why I think she had such a grudge against Maureen because Maureen was extremely good to, uh, to Alex. And she loved that little boy. And, you know, like, you know, if Alex's mom, if she had a man that loved Alex the way that Maureen loved Alex, I'd be, I'd be super stoked. But cool. Another, another solid dude in his life, you know, like, that's awesome. Good for them. You know, like, like I'll always be dad, but <laughs> it's good that he's got another great male influence to bring things that I can't show him. You know, that's awesome. Cause it's all about Alex, not about me. And my businesses were picking up. Everything was looking great all the way around. I had bills had stabilized. I paid all kinds of stuff off. Like I had finally got to this point. I didn't have to travel anymore. Like, you know, we're looking at this springtime's coming around. Like, you know, we're going to be spring skiing and, you know, we're like looking, we're making plans for the summer to get the boat rocking. And we got this, you know, we're looking at doing avenue things to the house and our house was totally set up. Our friend's life was established our freaking, you know, like all of this stuff on California had been squared up. All the businesses had been done unraveled and made sense of. Everybody was on good terms. We had finally accomplished what seemed to be the unaccomplishable. 
Like literally, it just seemed like so overwhearing, like overbearing, and so much. It was insane how much work it took. I could have never done it without Marine. They're even motivating me. You know, there's so much. I just was unmotivated. I was like, I don't want to do any of it. And without Marine there to motivate me and light the fire under my butt, like sh- like I wouldn't have been able to do it. And so, yeah, I, I had just um, I had just got out of this really important business meeting. So, you know, we we. Uh, we were talking about launching this new energy CBD energy drink that we had we had come up on, and it was just amazing. We were talking to big investors. Me and my partner were talking to big investors in the city. Everybody was interested. An incredible platform. Marine was busy, and I, I left. It was it was a big meeting. I mean, it was just an exciting day from the second I woke up because we we have been planning this meeting. I get out of the meeting, and I mean like. People are excited. People are just freaking excited. Everything's going great. Well, I get a hold of Maureen and she's like, oh, I'm over at South Town Mall, just hanging out. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to come over there and, and uh, hang out with you. All right. And uh, I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm in the mood to go to go out and celebrate tonight. We should go out to Takashi. And uh, let's, she's like, oh, I'm down. So I go meet her at South Town Mall. And we're just like freaking, dude, like the feeling that, that we had, we like, we fell back in love again. You know what I mean? Like from going, being out of love, from in love to out of love to back in love. And did, we were back in love on the right terms too. Like you can't, no amount of money can purchase that. The, the experience that we went through together and did it as a team and made it. You cannot buy it. You have to live it. We both knew it feeling that her and I had together was like, we just knew, like, we're like, dude, wow. And so we went to the mall, we're just buying some new clothes, just having a grand old time, you know, and went back home and just like knowing we had that whole rest of the evening, just doing whatever we wanted, you know, still a little early and it was just, just, we're just chilling and like just laughing and having a good old time. And and then um, we went, we uh, went to Takashi and like got there a little early and went to the little bar next door that Takashi owns. And they, they had, uh, they had sake that was like, it, it only comes around once a year for two weeks in the springtime. And we like happened to get there when they were like, when they had it, we didn't even know. And it was just, you know, we're both sake lovers and then they, you know, they got the best sushi. In, in, in the states that Takashi does and you know we're just getting these fancy rolls and we're just talking to everybody just having a grand old time and um you know we're, we, we walk out of there just like continuing our good evening and then we went over and we called our friend uh you know our, our boy you know DJ Diz and we went that's fun I had um I uh I went and had lunch with Diz yesterday uh, <laughs> Yeah, and and uh, we were talking about this thing here, and so we went over there, and she was she had made good friends with uh, his wife, and we were just like you know just so happy. I just remember it was just laugh, and then um, it was crazy because uh, we were like, "Diz, come home, come back with us. Let's chill, let's chill, let's, you know." Blah. He's like, "Man, I got stuff to do." Blah, and then so he didn't come with us. He contemplated it, which I'm so glad he didn't come with us. Um, or we may have another casualty on our hands. Um, so thank God. Yeah. So we, we drove home and, and, uh, the rest of our lives started there. I don't know if you want me to get into, to, uh, 
what happened when I got home. Uh, yeah, I mean, whatever, yeah, okay. whatever you're comfortable saying, uh, whatever you, sure, you sure. want. So yeah, we, we got home and we, uh, you know, the, we opened the garage and drive the car in the garage. And I leave, you know, I leave the car running um, while I shut the garage. Shut the garage, wait for a shut. Yeah, op uh, I open the, uh, turn off the security alarm with um, my telephone on the app. I had, uh, we had walked in the house and uh, Maureen took a right and she went up. There's a little, like three stairs and it heads right to the front door. That's where the, the other alarm system is. Or not the other alarm, but that's where the main panel to the alarm system is. She hit the, she hit the panel and got the alarm back, turned on from there. Then she went up the stairs uh, uh, to get changed or whatever. And then I went into the kitchen and I'm just kind of hanging out between the, the island of my kitchen and the cabinets. And then all of a sudden I hear these explosions above my head. And I, I was just like, it was so surprising. I thought that Maureen, because we were having so much fun, I thought Maureen threw some firecrackers at me um, because her dad kind of does that. He likes party poppers and things like that, you know, and that's what I thought what it was. And, but I could, I was like, what the hell did you do that for? Because I couldn't see anything. Like my, my left, my left, my eyes were really truly blind. And I was like, I was like, they're watering. I couldn't get them to stop watering. And they're, I was like bleeding everywhere. I was like, what the hell? And I she's, and then I see Maureen come to the top of the awning. There's, you can, you can stand on the top of the stairs and see down. And she comes, I remember coming there and looking at me. She's like, oh my gosh. She's like, I didn't, I didn't throw anything at you. I'm like, why did you do that? She's like, I didn't do anything. I was like, what, what do you mean? I was like, She's like, dude, should I call 911? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, what, what the hell is going on? And so the next thing I know is that I, um, I, I, I blacked out from there. So I don't remember anything until I woke up on the ground and I had, uh, and I couldn't see anything. I was blind. Uh, I was just like, I was like, dude, I'm blind. I can see anything. And then like, I, I, could hear Maureen in the background. She was like, Jeff, I'm hit. I'm hit. I'm like, hit, like, hit with what? And she's just like kind of moaning or whatever. And I'm just like, I'm like, what the hell? You know, because I couldn't see. I just it's it was like it was like a static TV. And then all of a sudden my right eye, the vision, it was weird. This is crazy. The, my, the vision in my right eye all of a sudden came back. It like it was like and then I had like this vision in my right eye. And so then I was, I looked down and I'm literally like laying in this like pool of blood and water. I was like, what the hell? And I was just kind of, I go to stand because the alarm, the alarm, the security system is just like, you know, and I'm just like, what? And, you know, like, cause I had no idea, no idea what happened. And so I go and I stand up and I go to take a step and I just collapse to the ground. And I like look down and my hip, my, my left butt cheek was like exploded. I was just like, what the fuck? Like, you know, like what, like, like you go from, you know what I mean? Talk about a freaking change in environment. And so like, I was like, I mean, you know, obviously this, you know, I'm tripping. I, so like, I like army crawl to the front door. And my hope was that I would be able, I knew that the, the security system, that if you press buttons or do something, you can get on with uh, someone live will get on. So I like pull myself up the front door and uh, like, and I start pressing a few buttons and like, I couldn't figure it out. And so instead of keep trying, because I was like, dude, I don't want to shut it off. 
um, I figured out, I figured the cops are coming eventually. That's what would happen when the alarm goes off. So I opened the door for him so they didn't have to kick it in. And I'm, you know, I start screaming bloody murder out the front door. It's like, oh, you know, it's like, and then I heard my phone ring. And so I dropped to the, to the ground and I army crawled back to the kitchen. And, uh, and then I grabbed, I like pulled myself up the counter and I got, I got my phone and then I, uh, I, I fell back down on the ground and I like prop myself up against the oven. And then I, I called 911 and they're just like, you know, like, you know, is this, is this so-and-so on, on 916 East? And I'll say, yeah, yeah. They're like, okay. You know, the officer should be there in 30 seconds. Paramedics are two minutes behind him. So they're like, what's going on with this guy? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. I'm bleeding everywhere. There is a ton of blood. My, my wife's on the, on the ground. I don't know what's going on with her. I, I just don't know. I don't have any idea what happened. They're like, okay, just, just, I need you to stay calm. Just stay on the phone with us. They're, they're, they're coming. They'll be right there. The next minute I knew is, you know, now this time, I mean, I'm, I think I was on probably minute, like 16 of bleeding out, you know, and I'm bleeding, you know, I could see my bone in my hip and we're talking, you know, I'm losing a tremendous amount of blood. And then the cop comes in the first one. And he's got his gun drawn and he kind of, he's like walking out. I'm thinking like, why has he got his gun drawn? You know, so what the hell? And, uh, and then he goes straight to Maureen. Like, Hello, like, how could it be, you know, any worse than this? And then the, uh, the paramedics came, the first ones, and they brought the stretcher right to her and all three or four of them, like went straight to work on her. And, uh, and then I, I was like, uh, guys, uh, hello, you know? Like one of them came up to me. They're like, okay, they check now. They're like, look, we got to work. We got to work on your wife. I'm like, what's going on? They're like, just stay calm. We got to, we got to work on her first. And then we'll come back to you. There's another ambulance. Be here in just a few minutes. So I'm just laying up. They get her on the stretcher and they, they pull her out of there. And then I, then the, pretty much at the same time, the other ambulance had got there and then they had brought the stretcher in and they, they put me on there. And, you know, like, I I mean, at this time too, my adrenaline really had worn out and the pain had started to, to overpower my endorphins and my adrenaline. And I mean, it was, it was like, it was so excruciating. I'm almost screaming down and they bring me to the ambulance and they just start, you know, hooking up all these tubes. I'm just like, give me something, give me something, something I cannot, like, you know, it was so painful. And I'm just like, what is going on with my wife? what is going on with her and they're just like stay calm dude stay calm we're gonna take care of you i'm like what's going on with her you know and this doctor kind of looks at me and he's like she's dead oh that's kind of not a delicate or gentle way to find that out is it no but i guess he just figured give it to him raw i mean because it was right then is when the drugs kicked in because the next thing i knew is i woke up in the hospital and i had already they had already done a half dozen surgeries, I believe, already when I woke up because I had been hit multiple times in the head, in the, the torso, spinal cord area, and then in the hip. And then I had, you know, sustained major injuries everywhere, you know, like I had. Okay. So, yeah. So basically, when I got shot in the head, um, I pelted my brain. There's pellets still scattered through my face. Um, 
I had multiple teeth shot out and I had um, one pellet, it went through my left eye, the cornea, it shattered my lens, it detached my retina, and then it went through the, my nasal cavity and is currently resting on the optic nerve of my right eye. And it's literally too dangerous to take out, it would blind me. And it's unexplainable uh, how I'm not blind in both eyes. They're just like, you don't understand. The doctors are, it's medically unexplainable, scientifically unexplainable. Um, I had about eight, eight pellets that hit my jugular. Um, none of them punctured, also unexplainable. Uh, I had a dozen or so pellets hit my esophagus, which was, they were very concerned about that. Um, and they wouldn't let me eat or drink anything for several days. Um, because the, if they, they, they were like, you, you'll have problems the rest of your life. And, um, then they, they put me in this weird x-ray box thing and had me drink this dye and pulled me out. And they're like, you're the luckiest son of a bitch we ever met. You don't got no puncture wounds. Go ahead and eat some. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got hit. Uh, I had pellets in my heart. I had four lung contusions. We're like, they're like, dude, if you literally could get hit in a place in these organs, you got hit there that like couldn't, that, that's not going to leave you maimed. They're like, it's unexplainable, especially the, the amount of times and the amount of places. Cause I got hit. I had pellets in my stomach, kidney, liver. I had pellets that kind of littered my spinal cord, all of them being within a hairline distance of paralyzation. Like I should be with, I should be dead, like period. But like to not be paralyzed 10 different ways, it's literally unexplainable. Um, and then the, the, the one, the shot that hit me in my hip, it had exploded my, my left butt cheek, giving me about 12 fractures in my hip all which I needed no bone grafts, it healed naturally. And it, the pellets went around my sciatic nerve, unexplainable, absolutely unexplainable. None of, they're like, dude, you would have problems your entire life. Like you were going to be fine. It's just, it's, it's like medically one of the, I'm one of the most unique patient ever went in IHC hospital, unexplainable. Like the pellets had sh like shredded my nerves in my, in my thigh. But it was still where they hit, like, it all grew back. And, like, yeah, I had to have, I had 95 staples in my stomach where they had to go in there. And they had to, like, get shit out of my lungs and some other places. And, and then I had 50 or so staples in my butt cheek because it just exploded. And so I had to go through having a wound back. I mean, the pain was, it's, it's literally, it was literally undescribable, like, the wound back where they had to have the, there's a tube wrapped around a sponge wrapped around the edge of a, of, a, of a tube and they stuff it down in that hole. And then it's on a constant vacuum. And then every three days they got to get it out of there and clean it. But your nerve endings grow into that sponge. And so as they're pulling it out, it yanks out the new nerve endings, which is the most painful thing I've ever imagined. And then they, they, after they clean it, then they take a scalpel and they got to stab you a bunch of times inside the wound to create fresh wounds. Cause that's, you know, the new white blood cell count to heal it properly. And it literally, they had to do that every, every three days for four months. And like, I can't even begin to describe to you the excruciating pain that, that it was, uh, it, it's like, 
Yeah, they have me mainlined to fentanyl, and they mainlined me to Dilaudid. They eventually mainlined me to ketamine. And when I got out of the hospital, they had me on Oxycontin, which I had to take religiously every two hours, like period, like wake up, take a pill, wake, do period, like do not miss a pill. Because if you did, the pain would start to set on and, and it's is, it's just mind boggling. But by the time I had, I had been in the hospital and I, they had within the, about 10 days, they had me out on rehabilitation and I was, I was not allowed to put any weight on that left leg. That was the biggest, that was a humongous injury was that on that leg. And then slowly but surely, I was able to, you know, walk with a walker and then, and then move over to crutches. And I mean, I, I crushed my way out of there. And uh, so I had to learn how to walk again. And over several months, too, because when I went, my friend took care of me, I got muscle atrophy in my left leg from not being able to use it. So I had to rebuild the, my entire left leg and all the strength. And I, uh, I went to, to yoga almost every day. It helped me get my strength back in my left leg. Like I remember the first time I stood on that left leg by itself. I didn't get to go to Maureen's funeral because I was in the hospital. We threw a celebration of life here for her, which was pretty amazing, the turnout and the people that she touched. Yeah, they had to do multiple other surgeries on my eye just to get it stabilized. And they say that I might even be able to see again. They, they, I have to get a donor cornea and a new lens, and and uh, they had to clean some more trauma. They're like, dude, you can still you can see color and light. They're like, you have a good chance of seeing again. So that's insane. And now I can I can go snowboarding, I can go rock climbing, you know, I can go golfing. It's, it's insanity. I mean, it's like the the surgeon is like not possible, not feasible. Um, out of 40,000 surgeries he has done, this is like one that is absolutely unexplained. It was like, you should be dead. First, first and foremost, you should be dead. Uh, bleeding out for 25 minutes. Yep, you should be dead. You have a better chance of winning the lottery than not dying. You have a better chance of winning the lottery twice in a row. Something like this happening, not being paralyzed from the, buried from the neck down. And never being able to regain, ever. So... I had to learn how to walk, talk, eat, bathe, sleep. I had to get off. I, this, this, this last July 17th was two years with the, without an Oxycontin. That was tough. That was tough getting off those. Like, and I, like the surgeon was like, this is the last script I can write you. I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? And he was like, it's just, that's it. You need to make him stretch. And I was really worried. But I knew I probably could go to like a pain specialist or somebody that would give them to me. I mean, look at my injuries, you know, like, but I was like, man, are you just going to be high on pain pills your whole life? You know, let's try this. And I started cutting back little by little, weaning off. I was down to eating one half a pill in the morning, one half a pill at night and a bunch of Advil migraine and Celebrex and Gabapentin. And then one day I said, screw it. I'm just going to quit and do the next two weeks. It was dark real dark to get off that shit but I did it and I never looked back and so that's about that all right so this is going to be end up being a two-parter here um, with that being said I hope you guys enjoyed this part and uh, you can find us on Facebook Instagram at our website crime theories podcast at um, dot com and uh, email us crime theories podcast at gmail.com well, as always guys just keep fucking going.
So spooky season is here. And that means that, you know what, you guys need to get on hunt a killer. It is a great way as temperatures are theoretically going to start cooling down to spend a little more time inside. Yeah, for sure. Well, what great way to, uh, you know, start up the spooky season by finding out your own little mystery. Um, it's mystery box that comes to you monthly and hunt a killer is just a great way uh, to help pass the time and get into that spooky season. So guys, um, use code theories and you guys can get 20% off, um, any of your mystery boxes. I'll go ahead and link it down below. So check it out. That's hunt a killer.